Blog Talk Radio. is still trying to kick that football. Water So Deer is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. And welcome again to another edition of Roll the Quadcast. We are back again for our third week in a row, and we are here with Riley in Charleston, South Carolina, and Rob in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. How are you doing today, Riley? I cannot complain. And uh, just a, a warning and kind of a talk about last week. We had a couple of issues, uh, technical issues on our end, as uh, you can imagine does happen from time to time with live podcasting. But um, we hope to have everything resolved tonight. We had a couple of microphone issues, but I think we should be good to go. We're trying to get um, our microphones updated a little bit to get a better audio quality. So just bear with us, but I think we are fine. And uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about our schedule moving forward. Last week, we talked about the first three games of the season uh, and, and our thoughts on that and how important we thought it was to at least go 2-1, and one, if not 3-0, and oh, through the Presbyterian, Boston College, Utah State portion of our schedule. Uh, tonight, we're going to move on to the first part of what I'm going to just call the gauntlet from here on out. Uh, we, we are at Appalachian State, then we have Florida State here in Winston-Salem, and then we are at Clemson. Uh, those aren't an easy three games, and we need to probably grab at least one if we want to go bowling again. Uh, Rob, do you want to give your brief thoughts on these three games uh, as I guess a package deal for breaking it down um, into certain segments throughout the season on what the importance of these three games is moving forward if we do want to get to that uh, big six win mark yeah sure the importance specifically of the of the app state game is is unbelievably important it's um, it, it's definitively a toss-up game it's a it's a local game against a team we recruit against uh, not all the time, but a reasonable a reasonable amount during every recruiting cycle. Uh, so, and as you mentioned, in terms of, of bowl eligibility, could be a massive swing game. And then Florida State and Clemson, two incredibly talented teams, have been um, you know national champions. Each has won at least one at one national championship over the past four seasons. And going to be a low win probability, but obviously a win in either of those games would be outstanding, not only for our bowl chances, but just for the prestige of the program and of recruiting moving forward. Absolutely. And I, I tend to agree with uh, just the overall assessment of that. Uh, at, just to reiterate, we have a fairly easy start. I don't want to downplay Boston College or Utah State at all, but we have Presbyterian as our FCS opponent at Boston College and then Utah State. Then we get into a stretch where it, quite frankly, gets pretty ridiculous. And aside from Florida State's first five games, I'm not sure there's a, a five-game portion of any team schedule in the Power Five Conference that matches ours. We have at App State, Florida State, at Clemson at Georgia Tech, Louisville, at Notre Dame, and then come down a little bit, then you have at Syracuse. So it's another road game against an Atlantic division foe. Uh, um, so we'll see how, how that kind of works out. Um, but let's go ahead and jump in a little bit with App State. They, they won a lot of games last year. They won a lot of games uh, two years ago, and, and they used to be a very, very good team in the FCS. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on App State? Are they going to be able to maintain the success uh, moving into this year, or do you 
think they're the losses of a lot of key players and also their ability to stay healthy last year, which was a slightly above average for a normal FBS team. Will that kind of come back down to the average and will App State see a fall off of any kind? What are your projections for Appalachian State this year, Rob? I, I don't think they'll be as good as they were last year. Uh, just because, um, you know, I thought they had a lot of experience last year. And one thing, they do return three starters on the offensive line, but they lost a center and a right guard who have 56 combined career starts. So that's a, a big loss on the offensive line, and they don't return as many of their of their top linebackers. So I'm going to say, you know, they're going to take a step down. But I think you'll mention here in a few minutes the schedule isn't necessarily that difficult. So, they, I could easily see them repeating as uh, Sun Belt champions. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and jump a little bit into their schedule. Um, I'm, I'm reading over – or in reading over the Bill Connolly uh, article that he does. And for those of you who aren't aware of Bill Connolly's work, he is a football guru who writes every single – a pretty in-depth team preview for every single FBS team. And so he wrote this about Appalachian State back in February. Um, he projects them to get nine wins – 9.1 wins to be exact. Um, but I don't want to get into all the whole math behind that. But that's his win expectancy for the season and a lot of that isn't necessarily because app state is going to be as good as they were the last two years but it's because of their schedule so they start the year at georgia which regardless of who you are in the fbs or fcs that is a very very difficult game they have a one in five chance of winning that uh then they have savannah state they'll win that and then they host wake forest where they have a 56 percent chance to win and uh keep in mind they're still looking for that first power five team uh defeat since they moved up to the power five uh, ranks obviously the michigan state a few years back put them on the map on a national standpoint when they upset the wolverines when they are a top 10 team in ann arbor but they're still looking for that big win to show that they are here now um and, and wake forest provides an excellent excellent opportunity to to be that first team they could of course beat georgia down in athens but i I don't know that the statistics will bear that out as a reasonable opportunity i believe they will come in at about 14 to 17 point underdog but their favorite when wake forest comes to town and other than that they don't play a single team inside the top 100 in the fbs except for georgia southern who's ranked 98 so they're just inside that threshold and outside of wake they have a let's see here, 75% chance to win every single game on their schedule outside of Wake Forest in Georgia. So Georgia and Wake are two huge games for them, and I don't expect a step back at all from a record standpoint, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will be a the 10-11 the win, uh, I guess, caliber team that we saw the last few years. Um, Rob, can you talk a little bit about how they somewhat mirror Wake Forest, or I guess you could say Wake mirrors them as far as what we want to do on an offensive side of the ball, as, uh, maintaining the ball, letting the defense take care of things, and, and just how we are very similar? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think we are similar teams, just in, in different conferences. If you look at their projected uh, S&P ratings on both sides of the ball on offense, they're, they're 69th. And then on defense, they're projected to be 44th. And that's, uh, you know, our offense wasn't that good, obviously, but uh, we're very similar in that we do rely on the defensive side of the ball to, to carry us in these games. And they also uh, like to run the ball. And, and that's what we tried to do a lot last year with, with Colburn and, and Cade Carney and really establish the run, generate first downs, uh, occasionally generate big plays. They also have a a quarterback in, in Taylor Lamb who averaged eight yards a carry. Now, we don't necessarily have that in our offense, uh, but 
what we're going to look for with Kendall Hinton is to generate some some first downs when, when plays break down with his legs. So I think we're going to see two sort of mirror images of one another when, when these teams play in Boone in September. Yeah, and that is a very good outline as far as what we should expect. And I, I will go ahead and say that I think Wake Forest has an advantage if – especially when we play teams that look similar to what we look like. In the past, we have relied on a very, very good defense and a not-so-good offense. So while Appalachian State is uh, projected to be probably similar and or a little bit better on offense than what we're supposed to do this year, just based off what we did last year, what App State did last year, the defense, I still think Wake Forest will be a little bit better than App State. And Wake tends to win those games when they play teams that aren't high-scoring, that kind of grind it out, because we – are the better team at playing defense and getting stops when we need to. So this team likes to run, run, run. So if, if we can stop them, get them in bad positions where they have to throw the ball on second and third down, then I think uh, we have an excellent chance to win this game, even up at uh, Boone, which is a very difficult place to play and a place that I'm sure they're looking to get a big win against us. But uh, they don't play a lot of great teams this year, so they will be up for this game. And not to say that the, the other teams in their conference aren't going to be games that they get up for, but this is a chance for them to once again get on that national map, beat a P5 team, and uh, continue to show what they can do on, on a national landscape, even if it is Wake Forest. Um, Rob, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, the uh, – the, the in-state rivalry, I know I, I'm from Winston-Salem. I know a lot of people that went to App and all, all that. Do you think this is a bigger game for them as well because they want to show supremacy over a team, even though we are not a, a North Carolina or an NC State? Do you think they want to beat us more because we are also a team from North Carolina where they can show recruits, hey, we beat this team. They're, they're a P5 team, but we, we can handle them. Yeah, I, th- I think they absolutely do. I think, you know, we've we've recruited against them a decent amount. In, in recent years, we actually flipped a kid in, in this year's recruiting class from them, and I think they want to help put up a, a little bit of a fence against that and at the very least not have us be able to poach some of their, their better recruits if, if we want to do so. And, I, and they want to be able to, to, to point to guys and say, look, um, you know, you can, you can do great things here. You can win championships, and, and you can't necessarily do that at Wake. So I think this is a, a huge game and a huge game for their fans to be able to, uh, to talk some smack to, to all the Wake fans at work um, th- throughout the year. So I, I think this game means more to them. I think their fans were really hyped up for that Miami game last year, uh, that which ended up being a complete dud on, on their part. Uh, but it, even though Miami has the history, though it was a little bit longer ago in uh, producing all those NFL prospects, I think you could say maybe this game means a little bit more to them for, for some of those reasons. Absolutely. And I know a lot of App State fans and they are very passionate about their football. They're probably one of the better fan bases, not just in North Carolina, but around the Southeast. Uh, It's a region known for loving their football and App State fans love their football. They have a history of winning national championships on the FCS level. They step up to the Sun Belt. They make it to back-to-back bowl games, and, and they uh, have done very well in the Sun Belt. So it, it'll be very interesting to see moving forward what, what Coach Satterfield can do because they, they're not even necessarily bringing in great recruiting classes. I think they still have a 107 to 112 over the last two to five, 
two to five years, um, which is much worse than Wake, but they, they just keep getting the job done and winning 10 games. Now, part of that is a byproduct of being in a lesser conference. I, I won't sugarcoat that, but they've won 27 out of their last, last 32 games, and they have shown that they can handle that, the FBS level as well as anybody can on those lower tiers. Um, we've got a lot of questions from uh, from listeners uh, via Twitter and email and various avenues. And we're going to hit most of them later on, but this one kind of flows well. Uh, and I want to get your take on it, Rob. This one came in from uh, Kip Byram from Twitter. Uh, we appreciate uh, you listening, Kip. I know you had one last week as well. Um, is it concerning how everyone is predicting the App State game to be? I guess he would say, you know, we're predicting it to be close and or a close loss or a close win. Shouldn't we be able to easily handle them if we're truly making strides in our football program? Would a loss to App State be a setback for Wake Forest? Rob, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, yeah, first of all, we, we thank Kip, Kip for the question. Uh, I would say this. I would say we are truly making strides as a program, but if you think about what Clawson inherited, and we started off his first year with the worst offense in the country, one of the worst I've ever seen. So you can take, even though we had a, you know, a decent defense, but you can make great strides from that point. And now we're to the point where we're in the 60s in, in S&P, which we've jumped probably 50 spots or so during Clawson's relatively short tenure here. But the bottom line is, We've made all this progress, but we're still playing a quality program. You just mentioned they had great success at the FCS level, have made a very nice transition to the FBS level in the Sun Belt, and we're going to be in a toss-up game against a good opponent on, on the road. I mean, to me, that is making strides. And, yes, getting if we get blown out in this game, I would say that is a setback for some of the reasons we mentioned in terms of the importance of this game for recruiting and things like that. Uh, but if we lose a close game, I would say, yeah, it's – it, it will significantly hurt our chances to make a bowl game, but I wouldn't say that's necessarily a big step back as a program. What do you think? I think there are two answers here, and on a face level, I definitely agree with you. From a statistics level, I mean, we see what Bill Connolly has. He tends to be pretty close to um, accurate if you look at a big spread of his pro- projections and predictions throughout the year. We're here. 44% favorite, meaning App State wins the game 56% of the time played on an infinite amount of uh, levels. So that, it means we are an underdog. But if you look at it from a recruiting standpoint, from a we need to point and say, hey, we can take care of App State. We are above them, which, you know, I guess that's up for grabs right now. How does a team that is six and six, uh, seven win team in the FBS or I guess a power five conference fair uh, against a team who is a 10 and two 11 and one team out of a lower tier conference. Obviously last year they got blown out by Miami in this uh, type game. So I think if we want to continue to prove our worth and say to each recruit moving forward, and you mentioned it earlier, we go head to head against a ton of recruits that choose between app state and wake forest. When you look at uh, 24, seven sports rivals, scout, anybody that does football recruiting, you see app state and Charlotte, they offer almost every single uh, in-state kid first. A lot of that's out of necessity. A lot of that's talent valuation, and they both have fantastic staffs. But if we really want to go out on the recruiting trail after this year and say, hey, look at this. We went to Boone. We played App State, and it wasn't even close. We beat them by three touchdowns. That's a huge boost to what we can do moving forward from recruiting in-state kids. So I think there are two answers, and I'm not trying to hedge on this, but from a statistical standpoint, if we lose, it's kind of a, well, you know, we were supposed to lose. Uh, It hurts our bowl chances, but 
that's not a big deal in, in the whole scheme of things. When you look at it from a recruits don't necessarily look at that. Coaches don't look at that. Parents don't look at that kind of stuff. I mean, some do, but I would say we are in the minority of who looks at these things and says, well, we, we may not should win these games. Uh, I think this is a very, very big game for bragging rights in state to show that we are a P5 team. We're on a higher level and we are making steps. So I think Kip is right in wondering, would this loss be a setback? I don't think it would be a huge setback for the program, but I think it might hinder our ability to continue to get in-state kids um, at a level where you're saying, hey, we're better than App State. We are better than ECU. We are a tier above that. We're with NC State, Duke, Carolina as a clear cut favor above these teams if you're looking to go in-state. So not to hedge, but I think they're two separate answers depending on how you look at that. And perception isn't necessarily always statistical reality, but it is functional reality as far as how it pertains to who we're going to get moving forward. So I think it's a big game, and that's why we spent, I guess, the first 15 minutes talking about it. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great time uh, as we mentioned last week i think we're going to try to get a trip up there it should be a great atmosphere i'm looking forward to uh tailgating a little bit up there with some app state fans and uh i think we're going to enjoy it but i, I want to get out of there with a win to show that we are moving forward on, on the right step um and, and that's a great question by kip because i think it it, it lends itself to a variety of different answers depending on how you're looking at the game overall um so do you have anything else you want to share about app state or uh and you think we're good to move on to Florida State a little bit? No, I, th- I think we're good to move on to, to Florida State a little bit, but we'll, we'll definitely be discussing our game um, more in the weeks to come, and especially right after the season starts and the week leading up to that game. We'll go into a lot of detail about it. Right, and, and if we probably had a chance to reset how we were breaking down these things, I would have included App State, I guess, in our uh, in the spread of games in that m- middle gauntlet because they're, they're a really good team. They're over under as 9.5 wins, and I don't mean to denigrate them at all. They are a really good team, and it's going to be a tough game to win. So uh, I think it'll be a good time, but uh, we will talk a lot more about that as we get into the regular season. Uh, but for now, let's let's turn our eyes to the Florida State Seminoles, a – team that we know a lot about having played them over the last 30 years or so and especially since we've moved to uh, the Atlantic Division they obviously won a national championship a couple of years ago and they continue to recruit at a high level what is your I guess sky high view of Florida State as a program and what uh, you expect from them this year not necessarily that pertains to Wake but just overall as a program I think they're one of the premier teams in the country I think they lost a little bit of that uh, toward the latter part of the mid, you know, 2005 to 2010 or so. But I think they've really regained, you know, national prominence as a program under Jimbo Fisher, won a national championship uh, several years ago, as you mentioned, with Jameis Winston. And that team was unbelievably impressive, has produced a ridiculous amount of pros. Uh, took a bit of a step back last year, but had some injuries. But, you know, headed into this year, they're a legitimate national championship contender with uh, DeAndre Francois now as a sophomore. So um, it's going to be a very, I guess, interesting game to to see how we stack up against them. But I expect big things from the Seminoles this year. Yeah, and as we see every year with that, team their location lends itself to getting fantastic recruits and not to mention their history with Bobby Bowden and now Jimbo Fisher just player after player championship after championship they, they've done great things down there and anytime Wake Forest competes much less beats Florida State that that is a huge huge game for the Deeks and uh you know Florida State kind of piques I guess our interest like 
we may peak App State's interest. So those are the kind of games you have to compare from a uh, standpoint of, I guess, a team that, that really wants to beat somebody else where uh, the other team maybe not necessarily looking past them, but saying, counting it as a win. Um, a, a big part of how uh, Florida State could play against Wake Forest uh, on September 30th is their schedule. They start against Alabama, Louisiana Monroe, Miami, State, and then they get Wake Forest. Can you talk a little bit about that schedule and how it would impact what Florida State's mentality is coming into the Wake game if they're 4-0 versus, say, maybe 3-1 or or even 2-2? Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I think, look, they they opened the season with Alabama, who is by far the best program in the the country, has won, you know, a ridiculous amount of national championships under Nick Saban. And um, but but they have a chance to win that game. I think they're going to be only about a touchdown underdog, and that's not a slight against Florida State. That's just sort of how good Alabama is. But if they find a way to win that game and, and find a way to beat beat Louisville, all of a sudden, look Wake in in that case. But if 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 they do start the season two and two. Uh, then, as we mentioned, preseason top five, looking to win and be a national championship contender, um, then I, I think they start to say, well, our season for their, you know, for their program's intensive purposes is a little bit over. If, however, they only lose to Alabama and, and get a victory over Louisville, I, I think they're going to look to come in and, and take care of business, get a road win, and get out of Winston-Salem. So, as you know, how they do in the first month of the season, I think will impact the mentality they show up with on September 30th. Absolutely. And I don't think, just looking at their schedule, uh, they have Alabama in the uh, – season kickoff but it's in Atlanta and then they have ULM Miami and NC State they're all in Tallahassee so we are their actual first true road game I wouldn't expect FSU to lose more than a game there the real big question will be if they lose to Bama they lose to Miami I don't necessarily see State beating them in Tallahassee but if one of those three teams can knock them off what will what will will their mentality be coming into Wake Uh, and that's that's a question we we can't really answer right now but I think Wake will be ready for it and if you know, we can get through the first three, four games, four and oh, three and one, uh, the same for Florida State. But that could be a, a not necessarily a primetime seven o'clock, eight o'clock kickoff, but it could be a three thirty ABC game. So Wake Forest will be up for it. And, and that could prove to be a more difficult game, maybe than the 10 percent would uh, insinuate to begin. Uh, I think the biggest question that they have outside of, you know, how Francois, DeAndre Fr- Francois will respond as a sophomore quarterback. How are they going to replace Dalvin Cook, Rob? Uh, well, that, that's been an easy thing. And, and, yeah, I apologize for mentioning the Louisville. I, I, I did need Miami. But um, I, I will say, Dalvin Cook, unbelievably talented, over 1,700 yards, 19 touchdowns last year. They do have a freshman, Cam Akers, who sort of reminds a lot of people, a lot of recruiting experts of a young Dalvin Cook. He's a sort of a physical specimen. So I would not be surprised. Florida State, with the way they recruit, they do not reload. They replace and I expect Cam Akers to have a very good, true freshman season. And, and also, they're going to be a little bit healthier on, on the defensive side of the ball. I know that's a little bit cheating. Um, you, you mentioned the running game, but they're, they're going to have Derwin James back at safety. We talk about Jesse Bates a lot as, as a great safety, but Derwin, Derwin James, probably the best safety in the country. Also, Josh Sweat, I think he's going to have a lot of impact as, as a pass rusher as he still continues to recover. Uh, from his injury, former top 10 recruit in the country. So I think they're going to be um, incredibly talented, and they're going to, even though they lost 
a you know Heisman candidate in Dalvin Cook, they're still going to be excellent in the backfield and, and all over. Rob, you don't ever have to apologize about uh, saying, you know, cheating a little bit. We're talking about Free Shoes University here. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> Florida State knows all about that. So we're just we're just podcasters here. So uh, I think uh, we're, we're probably fine on the cheating and the hedging here, especially when uh, discussing the Florida State Seminoles. So you never have to apologize for that. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I think we had a great article up a couple of weeks ago that got a lot of, uh, you know, pushback from Florida State fans. Cam was very confident, one of our riders, it, that Wake would fare well against FSU. I don't know farewell is the right word. He thought we had a reasonable chance to win based on how the schedule was set up and things maybe breaking the right way for Wake. Um, I don't necessarily know if I agree with him because I think Florida State is a great team and they will continue to be a great team. Um, but I think given the right opportunity, anything can happen. And, uh, you know, it's a 10% chance. It's not a 0.01% chance. And I think Wake gets up for these type games, so you might catch them on a down day. Um, you never know, but it's an uphill battle. But if we can, you know, steal that game, that's a great win for not just the season, the entire program as a whole. Um, so we'll see. You never know what happens on a Saturday. That's why they play the games, and that's why we continue to watch it. Um, but let's go ahead and move forward to another uh, team that, you know, they're just a, a real pushover at this time of the year. This is at Clemson, the defending national championships the week later. And I got to say, I want to talk to whoever scheduled Wake Forest games, Florida State at Clemson and App State the week before. And that's not even getting to the games after it. I mean, who scheduled this for us, Rob? Do you, do you know anybody I can get in contact with? Uh well, Ron Woolman scheduled the, the App State game, and they set it for the 23rd. But, yeah, I do, I do not know the, the parties that be in, in Greensboro who scheduled this. So I will say, I believe last year we had a, a big disadvantage in terms of it seemed like every ACC team we played uh, had a bye week the week before. I was looking at the, the helmet schedule, and it doesn't look like we run into that problem this year. So while we do have uh, – a, a seriously difficult stretch, and we'll get more into that again next week as we continue our three-game breakdowns. Uh, at least we don't have to deal with that. But, yeah, Florida State and Clemson back-to-back weeks. Whew. Yeah, that's not, that's not ideal, but I, I guess we'll, uh, we'll take the breaks where we can get them and just know that we're a little happier not playing teams off of a bye because I think we had four or five teams last year at a bye the week before they played us so they could prepare for our uh, high-octane offense, which uh, went well for everybody there. Um, but moving forward to Clemson, they are obviously the defending national champions. And uh, quite frankly, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, and it's not because I don't think that talking about Clemson's a great team. Um, but yeah, we're playing them in Death Valley. We, I don't think we've won – down there since uh, Reagan was president, maybe before that, not even sure. But it's been quite, quite the time since we won there. Um, I, I think the last time we actually beat them was in 2007 or 2008 when Tommy Baum was fired the next day after that, and Dabo Sweeney was named head coach. So you're welcome, any Tigers fans listening to that. Um, so you're welcome that you got the guy who won a national title. But, Rob, what are your initial thoughts on Clemson as a team, and do we have any chance to beat them at all? I mean, I don't think so. You mentioned you're not sure if we've won since the Reagan. I'm not sure we've won since the Washington administration. I don't have any facts to confirm that, but it feels like, we, you know, we just absolutely never win. It, unbelievable program has been recruiting really well. Yes, they lose to Sean Watson, a, a supremely talented quarterback, first-round draft pick, but they've been really successful under Dabo Sweeney and recruiting talent at every position. Uh, and, and even when they had – 
um, Cole, Cole Stout start. They were still winning a, a significant amount of games. People mentioned Clemsoning. Yes, they did lose to, to Pittsburgh last year, but really they've been taking care of business, beating some great programs in both. You know what else like they Oklahoma. did last year? They won a national championship, so you can talk exactly. about Clemsoning all yeah. you want. So, but they won a title, so you can only take that so far. Yeah, you, you talk about Clemson and coming up, you know, small and clutch moments. Well, they they had a a touchdown as essentially time expired, a great two minute drive there to beat Alabama. So yeah, no no Clemsoning there. Um, yeah, I mean, just incredibly difficult game, unbelievable defensive line. It's it's just I, I'm not looking forward to this one. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a fun trip. We uh, we had a chance when we went down there, I think in, I don't know, was it 2010 or 2012? Uh, if we had beaten them, we would have actually clinched the Atlantic Division and won our second title or Atlantic Division title in a few years um, after we had a great interception. But they, they came back and, uh, and wound up winning that one. But it, I don't think we've even been close the last few times down there. It these games aren't. I don't mean to throw these away and make Wake sound like they can't ever win them, but it, it's just playing a team with almost completely different. I don't mean standards from an academic standpoint, but their their standards of success are just so high. I mean, they they recruit five stars every single year. It's almost like a pro factory where they're just cranking out players moving forward. And what they've got going on down there is just it's it's outstanding. So. Yeah, we're going to go play the game. We'll cover it like every other game. And, I, you know, I hope we pull off a huge upset, but it's not realistic to expect that uh, that we're going to compete extremely closely with them. And I don't mean compete from our standpoint. I'm sure we will try as hard as we always do and uh, do our best. But, you know, it's just uh, – that's a tough game for us. And uh, next week we will jump into Georgia Tech, Louisville, and Notre Dame. But we have a lot of questions here, and we've got about 15 minutes left, so we want to touch on all these because uh, we really appreciate everybody submitting them. And uh, you know, kind of moving into the same direction, this question is from Ryan Cantor, who is a writer at Shake in the Southland. Uh, Robin Riley, Wake is clearly trending up. What's the hope for the next three years under Dave Clawson? Rob, I'll let you take this one first. Okay, sure. I mean, I, I think really the hope under the next three years is, look, we just talked about the gauntlet of Florida State and Clemson, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about other tough teams in the future. But I think the hope is these aren't ridiculously difficult. They're always going to be difficult to win, but I think we get to talk about them in the sense that we have a chance to pull off the upset. And, and I'd like to see us be more on par with, with an NC State and get to it. We mentioned we were in the 60s in S&P. I'd like to be around mid-40s. I think that would say a lot about our program and be able to more consistently win bowl games. So I think that's really where I want to see us as a program be able to beat Duke on a very consistent basis and, and hopefully probably separate ourselves from a Syracuse, from a Boston college, um, and not be able to look at these games like a Louisville, Notre Dame, Florida State, Clemson um, as, as complete um, and definitive losses. And I think if you're going to look at an upset, I think the first one that's going to happen is Louisville, just because while they are a, a very good program and have the Heisman Trophy candidate in Lamar Jackson, they are not the same level of the program as Clemson and Florida State, though that's not an icon. But, uh, you know, that's where I want to be. Uh, what are your thoughts, Riley? Yeah, I think the, the main goal is to continue to recruit at a slightly better level than we are now. And we talk about a lot of what Dave Clawson has been doing with the camps and his offers. They're going up to a lot of four- and five-star guys. And we're starting to get and attract a lot more attention where, you know, Wake is – 
a place that you may want to go. It's not just a place you camp at. It's not a place that, oh, they're, you know, kind of the bottom of the barrel at the FBS level totally. And, and we're moving up. And I don't mean to say that <laughs> lightly. I mean, it's just how Wake has been over the last 70 years. We have been one of the worst Power 5 FBS teams record-wise across the country. So you're, Jim Grobe did a fantastic job of raising the profile in the mid 2000s but we've got to continue to step up. We've got to keep recruiting better. And until recruiting gets up to a level where we are consistently getting top 30, top 40 teams, it's not necessarily realistic to continue to expect eight, nine win seasons each year. And I don't think a lot of Wake fans are doing that. I think most are realistic in what they want us to do. But you've got to keep building. You're not going to go from a team that has a floor of two wins, three wins each year to a team that consistently wins eight, nine games every year overnight. And I think Dave Clawson knows exactly how to build the program. We will see if he knows how to sustain a program. Because if Wake can get seven, eight wins this year against this schedule, I got to tell you, it's going to be tough to hold on to them, even with that extension coming. Um, last summer so we'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes Um, I think we need to make a bowl this year or next I think 2018 is the big year I think the schedule lines up better where we can not necessarily make a run at the Atlantic maybe get second or third in the division and uh, which is a huge step because that means we beat Louisville and or Clemson or Florida State that that's huge Um, if we can do that in 2018 we will be setting ourselves up for success moving forward and and you got to build it from the ground up you're not going to catch lightning in the bottle like Jim Grove did in 2006 very frequently Uh, there are a lot of good players on that team and that came from identifying a lot of diamonds in the rough but to consistently win and compete at this level in the toughest division in college football you're gonna have to continue to recruit and recruit really really well and I'm not knocking Dave Clawson on where he is now you know in the 50s 60s but you you gotta start somewhere and slowly build your way up and I think he's getting there so the main thing I would say to look over the next three years isn't necessarily from a record standpoint but more from a building the program getting recruiting continuing to move it up and that's when you get get the win that pay off over a long span so we keep him keep making bowls keep getting recruits then that i will be very happy with that um so that, that that's where i stand on the issue but um we appreciate the question from ron cantor we appreciate you listening you've been a great supporter even though i know you're not a wake forest fan we we really do appreciate that that support um Let's go ahead and move forward into another question. I'll kind of package these two uh, together. One is from Not Your Boy Stan Cotton. Shout out to him. He does great work. He's done some image and graphic work on the back end. One of the funny, funnier followers on Twitter uh, of Wake Forest uh, Twitter. Which redshirt freshman do you see having the biggest impact for Wake football this year? Oh, putting me on the spot. Uh, well, um, you know, I think, name names, Rob. You know, I know, name names. I would say an Arkeem Bird. I, I think he can be a dynamic playmaker for us out of the backfield. I think he has a speed dimension that we do not have, and I'd like to see us us get him the ball uh, in space. So I, I would point to him um, as probably my number one pick. Who would you say, Riley? Uh, I'd probably go with uh, Greg Dortch. I know we've got some speed at the slot and uh, the outside wide receiver already, uh, and we've got a lot to be in the backfield too. Uh, I think Greg Dortch can be an immediate impact player on the special team side where if he's fielding punts, maybe do some in around some uh, Kenny Moore orbit sweep. He's got the speed that can really step up and uh, you know be, be a great player for us. So I, I'm going to go Greg Dortch. Um, he's a great follow on Twitter, so I would uh, recommend that as well. So that might have uh, biased me a little bit. Uh, 
Um, but uh, but but moving on with that, Bart also uh, one of our riders followed up with which true freshman will have the biggest impact. I love how you say one of your writers when he's your twin brother. Um, I got to delegate. We don't. Well, you didn't want any nepotism, I guess. Uh, you know, I would say Chase Monroe at at linebacker had some really good offers from from Kentucky and West Virginia. Really good recruiting win for us. You just mentioned recruiting better. And you know, with the loss of Markel Lee at linebacker, I think he has a chance to come in and uh, at least contribute out of the two deep and. and play a lot uh, on special teams as well. So I, I think he's going to have a really good impact for us this upcoming season, and I think he's going to have a really good Wake Forest career. What, what do you think? I would go just Sage Surratt, and it's not necessarily because what I've seen or anything, but he, he's a dual-sport athlete, phenomenal player. I think I believe he won the uh, State Gatorade Player of the Year in uh, North Carolina. And uh, Dave Clawson's comments about him in the past week are somewhat unlike what I've heard him talk about at all from a, from a freshman. He said he wants to redshirt him, but he's not sure he's going to be able to. And while wide receiver is far – from our strongest position, we've got a lot of speed and talent there in upperclassmen. So if he feels that Sage is already doing things that he wants him to do at that position, then, and then I think that speaks very highly of him and his odds of being out there. I think Dave Clawson is usually a straight shooter with upper management potential written all over him. And so when he, when he says something like this, he, he means it. If he thinks Sage Surratt can't redshirt, you know, if he didn't feel that, he would he would have just said, you know, nah, he's redshirting. Uh, for him to say that, that 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 means a lot too. And uh, I get, I guess Christian Beal is also he he gray-shirted, if I'm not uh, incorrect here. So I would count him as a true freshman too. Um, I could be wrong there, but I believe he gray-shirted. So I think he falls in that category. He could be a great player as well. Um, I don't know what you think about about Beal or if you've seen anything on him. Oh well, he, you know, he was he was an early enrollee, so he's going to have a little bit of, a, of additional additional time. So yeah, he's got a little bit of a leg up. So yeah, he's a productive player from the Kernersville area. So we're not surprised to see him come in and uh, potentially make an impact either at at slot or sort of that old purpose back type role. Yeah, and uh, I, that's a cheat a little bit because he is a gray shirt. He's been here. He went to East Forsyth. He's familiar with Winston-Salem, so um, that doesn't mean anything from the football standpoint. But, you know, it, it's not like he has to move a long way and become a true, true freshman. So I think he will impact the ball a little bit as well. Um, moving forward here, we, we've still got a few questions left. Got about seven minutes here, so we will try to be brief and touch on all the questions. This is from uh, Les Johns, and if you don't follow his work over at Demon Deacon Digest, you should because he is phenomenal. He's got some great content up uh, at, for the media day that was last, I believe, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, so if you don't have a subscription there, then I would recommend getting one because he has some fantastic stuff. Um, but who is your favorite non-Wake Forest ACC football player and why? Um, well, I hate playing against him, but it's probably cheating. But Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's he jumps over other human beings. He is, you know, a highlight waiting to happen. Um, just phenomenally fun to watch. Who would you say? I would go with Bradley Chubb. Uh, 
obviously this is cheating as well a little bit because his brother Brandon played at Wake Forest. But this guy is a is a stud at the defensive end slash linebacker hybrid position. He's a freak, and he's probably going to go in the first round of the draft next year. But I don't, if you get a chance to watch NC State, their defensive line is just a tear, and he is a big part of that. So I would say Bradley Chubb, slightly because of his Wake ties, but he's also a really, really fun player to watch on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, we appreciate the question from Les. And, uh, you know, that, that's a great question. A lot of times we don't talk about players outside of Wake Forest um, because we are so Wake Forest-centered, but it is fun to watch other players from really good teams play football. And uh, I think I think Chubb and Jackson do a fantastic job, and I would recommend watching both of them. Um, we got this next one from John Walsh, and this is uh, could be interpreted a few different ways. And I saw some uh, comments on Twitter, so we'll try to keep it brief, but this could go on, probably be an entire podcast show. But uh, what team do you consider to be Wake Forest's rival, and it can vary by sport? Um, I would say uh, Duke for football, NC State for uh, basketball, and probably North Carolina for Virginia if we're talking about men's soccer. Um, had to talk about soccer today. Who would you say? Yeah, I think uh, it obviously varies. If you ask a Wake fan or if you ask a Duke or Carolina fan, they're not going to say Wake Forest, but Wake Forest will say Carolina and Duke. So I think the point of, you know, the team you dislike the most maybe is not necessarily who your rival is. I think in football, Duke yeah. is our primary rival. They are the guy, They are the team that we go up against with recruit in the ACC, all that kind of stuff. Basketball is kind of tough. Um, I, I obviously dislike Carolina the most, but they don't consider us a rival. I wouldn't even consider our last five years us their peer really based on what we did during yeah. the name redacted era. So I, I don't basketball, basketball is a tough ask. I think NC state is more of our rival right now. And I'm not sure state fans would even consider wake a rival since we're a Switzerland to most people. Um, we should spend more time on this one day. If we have more time to expand on this, I think this will be pretty fun to get into the details and the intricacies of it. But I'll say Duke and football, NC state and basketball, just because they tend to be our, our peers in that sport. Yeah. Um, and they're in state. And we, so um, we got a couple other questions that we may not have time for. So I'll kind of jump ahead to the last one here. Um, there was news this week that the Joel is getting a new scoreboard. Um, it's going to be a, a fantastic looking scoreboard with two pretty big monitors on the uh, front to look at the sidelines and then two in the end zone as well. Rob, what do you think the impact is? And this is from uh, Ed Foster, one of our riders. He's done a great job since coming on. How much does a new scoreboard and general improvement to the Joel impact recruiting? You know, I, th- I think it can be great. I mean, a, b- a big part of recruiting is, is getting recruits on campus and, and going to our games. And obviously the, n- the number one impact is going to be how well we're actually performing on the court underneath uh, of the scoreboard. But I, I think the scoreboard can impress the recruits. I think in, if you have a, you know, a really nice uh, introductory show, a really nice atmosphere throughout the game, that can help the fans, which, which can sort of feed into getting the recruits excited, the players excited, and generating more wins. So I think – this is something that can sort of help feed other things. The scoreboard in itself isn't necessarily going to, to get any recruits, but I, I think it can help feed other things that will uh, lead to more wins in the future. What, what about you? Yeah, and that, that, that's pretty much how I feel. And I saw some comments on, I think, our Facebook page last week when we posted that that said, well, how about we focus on getting a winning program first? Those are two mutually exclusive things. You know, we the money that fans put into getting scoreboards and improvements at the Joe and what Wake decides to spend on that is completely exclusive of what Danny Manning is putting out on the court. So you don't have to have a great team to have great 
uh, facilities and a great arena, but it certainly helps. And I think it's kind of the, the chicken or the egg thing. It, it, what comes first? You get recruits, you get money, or do you get money and then you get recruits? Wake Forest has had a successful basketball program for the most part over the last 40 years. And I know Wake fans love to argue and say we're a little old Wake Forest. Uh, the AP is uh, – Associated Press ranked Wake Forest as the 33rd best basketball program of all time, uh, I think, when they did there two or three years ago. So there's no little old Wake Forest about that. We've had a lot of good players, and we, we've had a lot of money coming to the program. There's absolutely no denying that. I think these, the scoreboard and the facilities will continue to impress local recruits, and we've had a lot of those over the last 10 to 15 years. We landed, of course, Josh Howard and Chris Paul. We got Brandon Childress, too. Uh, obviously son of legend Randolph children, but we missed out on Harry Giles and a couple of other guys from wrestling Christian Academy. I think this, this will help cement the guys that uh, we, we might've missed out on before because while they, you know, get the experience playing with our guys playing in the Joel, if you get that wow factor, that, that keep people at home, they bring more people, get them more electric atmosphere, which obviously helps with recruiting down the road as well. Um, so I think, I think it is, it's going to make an impact. It, it, not only that, it'll look cool, which is also also a fun thing to have. So, uh, Rob, I think we've uh, pretty much exhausted everything we've got here. We we talked a little bit about App State, Florida State, Clemson. Those are all big games. I think App State is the biggest game that we have, and we will talk a lot more about that as we get closer to the year. Um, do you have any closing thoughts on those uh, three teams at all, or uh, you think you've uh, exhausted what you got? You know, I guess closing – my only really closing thought is extreme importance of the App State game and, and really my thoughts about teams like Florida State and Clemson. You hope games against those teams because of their physicality and just overall athleticism don't negatively impact uh, the Georgia Tech game that we're going to talk about next week and, and have injuries there. I mean, you hope those games don't, don't physically hurt to the point where you can't perform well enough to a team you can pull off a slight upset to beat. So those would be my thoughts on having those two games back-to-back. Absolutely. I think those are games you just maintain and get to the better part of the schedule. We are right at the deadline here, but we appreciate you listening, and uh, we hope you will be back next week at 630. As always, go Deeks. Go Deeks.